VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's been one of the most entertaining World Cups ever. And if you are an England fan, it is the tournament that just keeps on giving and giving. Hello and welcome to the game World Cup Daily from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer and thank you for joining us. We are here every match day of the World Cup podcasting after 10 o'clock UK time every night. We are 21 match days into the tournament and England are still in Russia. Gareth Southgate's men into the semi-finals. Pandemonium on the streets of London as we broadcast. In the studio with me, the man to bring statistical significance to all this emotion we're feeling right now, it's Bill Edgar. And in Samara, taking in all the euphoria, it's Ollie Kay. Later on, we'll be joined by Gab Marcotti, who's been watching England's semi-final opponents, Croatia, in Sochi. They've knocked out the hosts, Russia, thanks to a penalty shootout on Saturday night. But we have to start with the three Lions making history. For only the second time on foreign soil, England have reached the World Cup semi-finals for the first time since 1990 after their 2-0 win over Sweden. Ollie, what was your expectation of how England would fare before the tournament started? Before the tournament, I, I, I said um, I said quarterfinals um, maximum, and anything less would possibly be a disappointment because the um, draw seemed to, to, to be slightly favourable. I mean, they were, they were a good group with Belgium, Tunisia, and Panama. I thought it was it would be pretty disastrous if they didn't get through it. It wasn't like 2014 where they were in. With Italy, Uruguay, and Costa Rica, it wasn't one of the tough groups. Um, but I also felt um, that if they got through, they would get a team from the Colombia, Senegal, Poland, Japan group. So I, 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 I thought there was a decent chance that they would get um, to the quarterfinals without having to be outstanding. Um, I think they, ha- I think they did get to the quarterfinals without having to be outstanding, and yet having got to the quarterfinals, they weren't facing Brazil or. or Germany, as had been feared, if everything had gone the projected way, um, they were playing Sweden. And it was um, about as comfortable a quarterfinal as, as, as you could you could probably imagine or, or ever hope for. I mean, there, were, there were three good saves by Jordan Pickford later on in the second half of the game, but it seems um, the result never really seemed to be in any doubt. As Ollie says, Bill, after an agonising night against Colombia, this was a controlled, pretty relaxed affair, wasn't it? It was really, yes. Um, firstly, England were far superior to Sweden, um, whereas against Colombia overall it was a fairly even game. And secondly, England got the goal after half an hour, so it put them in control and, and Sweden really didn't threaten too much. 
Certainly, uh, I was a bit surprised how Sweden sat back and it was it really allowed England to, almost as much as they wanted to put the ball out wide, particularly to Trippier, and kind of put in crosses as much as they wanted. England were happy to put four in the box each time. And uh, Trippier is fantastic at crossing. He really doesn't, he's not like many wingers or fullbacks, sort of hit, hit and hope merchants. He really uh, thinks about where the ball's going and it's effective and they had four in there and created plenty of chances and it was overall yeah very one-sided really uh, well everyone has been full of praise for gareth southgate only the third man to lead england to the last four he was the caretaker given the full-time role how did this all happen ollie how did it happen well if you go back to um if you go back to your know, 2016 and, and flopped there and there was talk then of, of getting him um in a, in a sort of interim role, and I think that, that was the FA's um, preference initially to, to give them time before before they made an appointment, which which um, Gareth Southgate felt slightly um, offended by that suggestion, and and said no, Salah so went, and they were left with Gareth Southgate, and that seemed to be a position that that would probably make him uncomfortable because he, he felt it might be a bit too early for him. And then clearly felt it might be too early for him. But I don't think the football is is, is spectacular. Um, but it's just so well-organised, it's methodical. Um, and above all, I think what has really changed is the whole ethos around the team. The, the spirit is far better and the, the sense of togetherness among the players. I know that can be overstated at times when a team is winning. But it's um, but it really is it really is one of the most important ingredients in this team. They are totally together. They're a team. They're the closest, most tight knit, most close knit England squad that I've seen certainly in my time working for Times, which is eighteen years. Um, and and they just they, they look like they believe in each other and in what they're doing. And and that combined with with, with us say, a slightly gentler draw has has helped England no end but they've also put the performances together to um, to back that up with, with a system that really seems to be working Everyone in the England side plays for a top four team apart from two of them and they are the two who are perhaps in need of special praise First of all Bill Harry Maguire of Leicester the opening goal scorer Yes, he's had a, a fantastic tournament and uh, it, it's not really come out of the blue that much because he's had a, a wonderful season with Leicester. Uh, first of all, very strong, tough in the air, powerful centre-back, winning the ball regularly, but on top of that, uh, consistently able to carry the ball out from defence. An extraordinary number of dribbles he completed in the Premier League Um Whereas John Stones has the reputation for being able to carry the ball out well, uh, which he can, of course, but Maguire um, had, had something like 10 times as many dribbles as Stones in the, the Premier League uh, last season, albeit having played about twice as much. Um, so he really is a confident player, and, and uh, with three at the back, three centre-backs, uh, you need your centre-backs to be able to do that, and he can certainly do that as the wide left of the three centre-backs. And, of course, um, he got uh, uh, one of the goals. Well, secondly, Ollie, you mentioned Jordan Pickford of Everton, who made some great saves, and after the penalty save in the shootout against Colombia, his confidence must be through the roof right now. The saves he made in the second half were, were really good saves. And I was, I was in um, Nizhny Novgorod for the France Uruguay quarter final on 
Friday and saw Hugo Lloris make a truly spectacular save from Caceres. The, the, the saves he weren't made weren't, weren't necessarily quite in that draw, but but they were but they were very good saves. One high up, pushed over the bar. One diving low to his right, and then a really good block by Henderson to prevent re- rebound going in. And he just looked totally confident and totally assured. And sometimes confidence is clearly a good thing. Sometimes overconfidence can be a problem. You wouldn't want somebody getting too carried away and feeling invincible and doing the kind of um, nonsense that the Uruguayan goalkeeper did on Friday, thinking, oh, I can say this in a spectacular way, and, and we all know how that ended up. But no, he... he, he He's a goalkeeper who I think even going into that Columbia game, people were raising questions about and saying, oh, is, is, he, is he really that good? Is he, is he the goalkeeper that's going to win us, win us a match? Or is he just somebody who, who's got a, good, got a good kick on him? And he's shown that he's got far more than a, he's a very, very good, promising goalkeeper. One man that is yet to score at this tournament is Raheem Sterling. He had chances. He received criticism. Uh, what are your thoughts on his importance to this team, Oli? Matt Dickinson tweeted after the game about having seen the BBC's player rate, I think, on, on, on the BBC's website. Where, and he said it was, it was depressing but predictable to see that Raheem Sterling got the, the lowest mark on that. Now, I think if anybody feels that Raheem Sterling is the worst player, I think there must be an option again with Blinkers. Raheem Sterling missed a couple of chances, yes, but, he, but what, what is it that forwards always say you've got to be in a position to miss those chances? If the chances don't come, that's when you should be worried. And Sterling, those, those chances came about because Sterling made good runs and, and Harry Kane had a far less effective game in, in some ways. Nobody's least of all me suggesting Harry Kane should be dropped or, or anything like that. But for people to say that Kane had a more effective, more influential, more positive performance than, than Sterling. Is, is, is not true. I think Sterling affected the game in, in open play and it affected all of the games in open play. It's just, he needs a goal to put to bed this, this idea that, that he can't finish. He just needs to be more composed in front of the goal. And Bill, what are your thoughts on Sterling? Um, well, he is the sort of player who he won't play safe. So, so whenever he gets the ball, something dramatic is going to happen. So he, he's looking to dribble past somebody, looking to make a kind of ambitious pass, and then running on to receive the pass. So, so just by by that very nature, things will go wrong more often. So people look at the at the end product and, and sort of despair when you know he dribbles out of play or something. But I mean, overall, he was quite effective. He, his running off the ball was very good, very mobile. If you look at the 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 miss or the the failure to score um, in the first half, where where uh, he, he kind of hesitated in the box, he, he did control the ball brilliantly. Uh, came over his head and controlled it ball brilliantly, and he knocked the ball past the keeper. who made a really good save, and then he kind of hesitated and he might have passed back to Kane instead. But at, but at least he got himself into that situation. You look at the alternatives inning. There was not really any player. Uh, in, in his style, who, who's any better, you know, waiting in the, the rest of the, the squad. So certainly you would stick with him for the semi-final. Mm, I'm sure defenders don't like playing against him. Uh, Nolly, we now know it will be England versus Croatia in the semi-final on Wednesday night. A talented team of Croatian players who probably were expected to go further in this tournament than England were. I'm sure they were, particularly after that, that second game that I was at, the, the game against um, Argentina where they beat them 3-0 and that, and that remains one of the most impressive 
performances at the tournament. But what is even more impressive, really, is, is to beat Russia on home soil in, in, in a semi-final in, in Sochi on, on Saturday night. That's, a, that's a, an amazing test of character that they um, they passed, and we all know they've got Rakitic, they've got Modric, um, Perisic, Mandzukic. They have good players. We always knew that, but so they've done what they did on um, on Saturday night is is I think more impressive in some ways than, than than the Argentina win. I think that shows that they are they really believe they can win the World Cup. I don't think having come through that, anything that England can throw at them will scare them. So they will fancy their chances. They will be comfortably the best team England have, have faced so far. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers. Airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Game. World Cup Daily from The Times with Natalie Sawyer. You can hear live commentary of both of the semi-finals on Talk Sport. It starts with France taking on Belgium this Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Then the clash between England and Croatia is live at the same time on Wednesday night on Talk Sport. Croatia are World Cup semi-finalists for the first time in 20 years after knocking out the hosts Russia. More incredible drama in Sochi with a game that swung both ways and ended after extra time to all. And for the second round in a row, Croatia progress on penalties and Ivan Rakitic once again scores the winning penalty. Gab Marcotti joins us now and Gab, Russia's World Cup adventure ends here. What was the mood inside the stadium in Sochi? Well, Natalie, as you can imagine, it was an absolute uh, roller coaster of a, of a game. Um, majority Russian fans, as you'd expect here in here in Sochi, but um, I think and I know it's a cliche, but um, they left with a sense that uh, this team really made their country proud. Um, Stanislav Churchill, the Russia boss, coming after afterwards and saying, you know, we made this whole nation uh, fall in love with us, and uh, and it's true, and and, and they did, and. You know, the way they battled in this game, um, they really took Croatia by surprise uh, in, in, in the first half. They, they, they pressed them high, totally different to the way they played against um, against Spain. Uh, obviously, they took the lead, were pegged back, and got that incredible uh, uh, last-ditch uh, equalizer with, uh, with with Mario Fernandez, uh, which ultimately sent the game into penalties. And 
when you talk about this Russia team, you're talking about a team that um, failed to win its previous seven games. I think in fact that was like one victory in the previous 11 months, something silly like that. They had a, a rash of injuries in central defense. They had to call up a, a 39-year-old. who's going to be 39 on July 14th, um, Sergei Ignashevich. Um, and, you know, when they played the first sort of tough opponent, Uruguay, they got crowned. So, you know, I think there was sort of the sense that um, the wheels are going to come off. But, you know, then they take Spain uh, take Spain out of the tournament, and then they they push them. Uh, they, they, they go and they, they push uh, – Croatia the way they did, um, I think a lot of people have a newfound faith in this uh, this Russian national side. We are all getting very carried away here in England. Uh, why don't you bring us back to, to reality? What do England have to fear from Croatia, do you think? I mean, I think in Croatia, you've got a team that's experienced, a team that's, uh, that's battle-hardened, um, you know, a team that if they so choose, and they chose not to do this um, against Russia, it was interesting to see how they approached the England game, but <laughs> if they so choose, you know, the, between uh, Modric and Brozovic and Rakitic and, and Bade if they want them, or Kovacic, you know, they've got, they've got midfielders that can basically keep the ball forever um, while also being incisive. Um, I think that's something that, that Southgate's going to... Uh, is going to have to deal with. Um, it's going to put a lot of strain on Lingard and and Dele Alli to go and uh, to go and kind of disrupt that, that tremendous ball movement that the Croatia have. Uh, Mandzukic is obviously a big, strong um, forward, but I think England are probably a little more more comfortable with that. Um, the defenders Kane and Sterling against Dejan Lovren and Domagoj Vida. Again, that's something that you would imagine England can probably exploit. I think England's big advantage um, is simply the fact that they're going to be more more rested. You know, they 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 played uh, they played less football. Yes, they had the extra time against Colombia, but obviously they made Swiss work of Sweden. Whereas uh, it's not just the fact that Croatia had, had sort of two 120 minute games; uh, it's the fact that uh, you know they were just physically so so punishing. Um, Russia just running a lot, taking a lot out of them. Um, we'll have to get the injury report, but certainly Daniel Subasic looked like he had cramps late in the game. Um, the the right back, Sidney Versaiko, had to come off. So all these things together, you know, this this Croatia team really looked like, um, you know, they've been through a military campaign, and uh, and they're going to have to uh, power up pretty quickly uh, to, to to get the best of England. Uh, who do you think is going to be under more pressure or who will be the favourites? I mean, I think neither Croatia nor England probably expect it to be this far, right? So in, in that sense, they're, they're probably playing with, uh, with house money to, to some degree. Um, but of course, having come this far, you know, you'd be really disappointed if they screwed up. And I think, and I think this applies to, to both of them. I think, I, I don't, think that people are necessarily going to turn on, on, on Zlatko Dalic or, or Gareth Southgate if they get knocked out. I think a lot's going to depend on on how they go out, uh, whichever one does go out. Um, because, you know, I think right now there's a tremendous amount of good feeling uh, back home around both these teams. They're proud of the way they played, um, proud of, of, of the way they dealt with adversity. You know, think back to obviously the Columbia game and, and, and the way England kept their discipline and and clearly, Croatia's had plenty of adversity tonight. So, um, so no, I, I don't know that these two managers necessarily feel 
feel the pressure beyond the pressure that they that they put on themselves. Well, England and Croatia have never met at the World Cup finals, but there are, Bill, many memories from clashes between these sides in the last 15 years. Yeah, well, there's the depressing memory of uh, 2007, Steve McLaren's last game, when uh, England came from 2-0 down to draw 2-2. They just uh, they were heading for the uh, European Championship uh, finals of 2008, but uh, Croatia <laughs> scored 10 minutes from the end and, and uh, McLaren was on his way. Um, on the other hand, Euro 2004... Uh, Wayne Rooney was absolutely at his peak, albeit at the age of 19, I think he was. Uh, and England had a fantastic victory over Croatia there. So England will um, hope to draw on that on Wednesday. The Game. World Cup Daily from The Times with Natalie Sawyer. We will be giving you a Times trivia teaser question every day on every podcast as provided by Bill Edgar, who is sat opposite me. Uh, Last time out, we asked you who is the only member of England's 23-man squad at this World Cup who is known by his middle name rather than his first name. Bill, whose passport should we be checking? Well, it's the man who uh, popped up with the opening goal uh, today against Sweden. It's Jacob Harry Maguire. Fascinating. It's funny because you would look at him and you wouldn't think of he's a Jacob. You think he's a Harry, but not a Jacob. No, you thought there were two uh, two Harrys in the England team. Actually, there's only one genuine one. <laughs> and I'm sure Harry Kane reminds him of that. Um, but our teaser for you today: which member of France's starting eleven in the quarter-final win over Uruguay was not born in France? Oh, that is a tough one as well. Uh, tune into our next podcast to find out the answer. We've discussed England versus Croatia, but let's look ahead to the first semi-final in St. Petersburg on Tuesday night. France versus Belgium. Uh, These two nations have faced each other twice before at the World Cup. A first round match in 1938 and a third place playoff in 1986. So this bill is by far the biggest meeting ever between these two sides. Yes, the two two neighbours in Western Europe. Um, They've both produced some very exciting play in the knockout stages. So... Uh, certainly plenty to look forward to. France uh, against Argentina, certainly. You had um, Mbappe suddenly uh, showing himself as a world beater. Um, long, loping strides, uh, <laughs> burning off various defenders. Um, didn't quite manage it against Uruguay as uh, France got past them in the quarterfinals. But then, of course, uh, in Belgium, we've got Eden Hazard, who is... Uh, is having a an amazing tournament. He's at his very uh, very Chelsea best, um, and he will have a particular interest, as it were, in this final because he grew up. I think he grew up close to the French border, and yet, but he actually uh, developed as a player from something like the age of fourteen uh, in France. They just decided his game would come on better across the border. So um, so he knows French football very well, and he's. Uh, he had a fantastic game uh, against Brazil, um, so I, I guess he'll be the the one that the French will be looking out for. Mm. Well, France have won every major tournament meeting between these two teams, but I, I know you've mentioned Eden Hazard there, but is this the greatest Belgian team of all time? Um, well, uh, you, you mentioned the 1986 team that played France in the third-place playoff. That was certainly a, a great team. I remember one of the all-time great World Cup games when they beat the Soviet Union 4-3 uh, earlier in that tournament, in the last 16, I think it was. Um, 
Belgium certainly had a yes a brilliant team uh, then. They uh, also got to the 1980 uh, European Championship final and two years after Bruges had um, uh, got to the European Cup final, uh, lost to Liverpool. So they had a, a very good team around there. Um, but certainly uh, you could argue this is their greatest ever uh, team with so many uh, amazing individual talents. And uh, it's certainly come together for them much more than in the past two or three tournaments. You mentioned it coming together. Well, nine different Belgians have scored at this World Cup. That's the most goal scorers in this tournament. Uh, they can score from anywhere. Yes, they can, certainly. Um, they've got Hazard and De Bruyne, the attacking midfielders, Mertens as well, of course, Lukaku up front. The um, Munier is certainly attacking threat from right wing back. The, the centre-backs can score from set pieces. Um, yes, you don't know where to look with them. Uh, France really, it's, it's no, no use just kind of stopping uh, a, a couple of players at set pieces for example I mean you, you've got to look everywhere so that it's always a good sign I think when the goals are coming from all directions it's, uh, it shows a, it's a sign of a team in form. Can you pick a winner for this one? I think well first we should say the, the two semi-finals are at least reasonably well matched so that so that's good. Uh, I would ooh, I guess I would just go with with Belgium but maybe 55, 45%, you know, very close. <laughs> you like these narrow percentages. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is it for now. Many thanks to my guests today, Bill Edgar, Oliver Kay and Gab Marcotti. Subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet for just a pound a week for your first eight weeks. Search The Times subscription for more information. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast supplier. And we'll be back on Tuesday night after France versus Belgium, while also looking ahead to England's semi-final with Croatia. We cannot wait. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.